Welcome back to another episode of Bed Letter. I am your host, Christian Ashelman, and this is the podcast where we chat a little bit about our psycho-human brains, a little about our loony human behavior, and a lot about how all of that fits together. So it looks like we are here on episode 23, so thank you to those who have been out there uh, listening to the episodes, listening to Bed Letter, and tagging along for the ride. Um, I really appreciate all of you guys for taking the time out of your day to... Um, include me in it and to listen to the podcast and to, to check it out. It really means a lot to me and I really appreciate that. Um, if you're interested in more stuff that I'm doing, um, head over to cashelman.com. That's where I post to my blog and I have a page there that describes uh, editing and tutoring and mentoring services that I offer as well. So tied with that, I also have a Patreon, and that actually gives you access to a Bedletter community Discord server. So there's some uh, discourse that can happen in there about the episodes and and different things. There's lots going on, and there there can be lots going on there. It's still a little new, but uh, yeah, the Patreon gives you access to that, um, and then also access to a newsletter that I'm uh, doing and and a whole bunch of other stuff. So. Like I said, go check that out. You can find um, find access to the Patreon over at my website, cashelman.com. It's uh, C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N.com. Um, and you can check it out over there, or you can just head over to Patreon. Now, uh, for today's topic, today's article, um, I found... It's kind of interesting. I found I was looking in a couple different places for different articles, different things, different news in the psychological, you know, research realm, and um, I found this one that was about daydreaming, and I thought it was kind of interesting, kind of grabbed my attention because a lot of the other ones I was finding weren't they weren't super interesting. I mean, I don't know. I guess lots of research can all be interesting in its own certain specific way, but the most of the stuff I was finding for the last uh, little bit was um, I don't know it was it was okay but maybe not not show worthy <laughs> but uh, this one was about daydreaming it's kind of interesting and um, the t- the title of it is why we're so bad at daydreaming and how to fix it and maybe that the title in and of itself is actually the reason why I became interested in the article in the first place is just because I didn't I don't know it's interesting to think about being bad at daydreaming or just bad at that in general. Um, and so, I don't know, kind of grabbed my attention, but it was written by Allison Clark and it was, uh, posted to the, and it was, it was written, posted on, on March 4th, 2021. Uh, it's so about four days ago and posted in the University of Florida News. So, um, again, the title was why we're so bad at daydreaming and how to fix it. So, did you daydream as a kid? Maybe even get in trouble for it? If you find it harder to be pleasantly lost in your thoughts these days, you are not alone. And then it goes on. This is part of our cognitive toolkit that's underdeveloped. And it's kind of sad, said Aaron Westgate, PhD, a University of Florida psychology professor. And I love the way it opens because, first of all, I just never have thought of daydreaming as a cogn- as being a part of a cognitive toolkit. I've definitely thought of different things you can use cognitively as being tools and being in a toolkit. They, they talk, I mean, just when I was going to school, they talked a lot about that, but, and made that comparison a lot, but I've just never thought of, or even heard anybody kind of, I don't know, using, employing daydreaming into that toolkit as well. That's kind of interesting to think of, but it's, it's definitely seems like it rings true, right? Um, 
but yeah, so this is this this research, all this stuff was done at the University of Florida. Um, like I said, it was posted in the University of Florida news, and so anyway, so University of Florida, um, Aaron Westgate, PhD. And she goes on, uh, the ability to think for pleasure is important and you can get better at it, Westgate says. The first step the first step is to recognizing that while it might look easy, daydreaming is surprisingly demanding. Okay. And this is this is again very interesting. Um not something you would really think of as being demanding, but she goes on to say you have an you have to be the actor, director, screenwriter and audience of of a mental perform uh, of a mental performance, she said. Even though it looks like you're doing nothing, it's cognitively taxing. This is definitely a, a very I don't know, I feel like that's a very apt way of explaining, right? Um, there are all kinds of cool analogies here. I love this. Uh, mental performance, first of all. I haven't thought of daydreaming in that way before, but again, it seems really spot on. Um, in order to daydream, there are a lot of really small pieces and a lot of little actors and things that have to fit together, right? People's faces, uh, places, people doing things that they have probably never done before or like been seen doing before in real life. Um, like physically their body doing things that they haven't done before. Um, or in situations or in scenarios or in even standing in places where they've never stood before. So your mind, um, your creative mind has to fill in all those gaps, right? It has to make up and take information from what it's previously known and seen and then fill in those gaps. And so it, it does seem interesting because you have to be the actor, director, screenwriter, audience, and mental performance. And so while, like I said, daydreaming doesn't seem like it'd be taxing on the surface, it's, it's interesting to think of it like this, like a whole performance, right? So the article goes on. Another obstacle revealed by Westgate's research, we don't intuitively understand how to think enjoyable thoughts. We're fairly clueless, she said. We don't seem to know what to think, what to think about to have a positive experience. We don't seem to know what to think about to have a positive experience. Westgate wants to help people recapture that daydream state, which may boost wellness and even produce to- or even pain. Oh, okay. Which may boost wellness and even pain tolerance. Okay, that's cool. That's actually way cool. In a study published today in the journal Emotion, Westgate and colleagues Timothy Wilson, Nicholas Buttrick, and Remy Fur of the University of Virginia and Daniel Gilbert of Harvard University instructed participants to think meaningful thoughts. Westgate anticipated that this would guide the thinkers into a rewarding experience, but they actually found it less enjoyable than their unguided thoughts. So this is kind of comical to me. <laughs> I just imagine someone, I just imagine someone standing there, right? All right, ready? Think meaningful thoughts now. <laughs> and it's just like, I'm trying, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, what does that even mean? They were instructed to think meaningful thoughts. Now, there's probably a lot more to it than the article is letting on here. The article is just summing it up, um, but it does seem a little stale is all I'm saying. Like, how do you just instruct people to have meaningful thoughts right now? You know, like like on a whim, on in, on a, at, a specific, at a specific time, point in time. Like, how do you, I don't know. It just seems it seems staged, I guess, which is which is hard to do for thoughts like that that are actually meaningful. But like I said, there there's probably a lot more to the preparation progress, or like there's a lot more to the preparation process that's going on in the background than I know about, or than any of us really know about. I'm sure, like in the preparation for the moment when they're supposed to be thinking 
meaningful thoughts. I'm sure there was some sort of instructory period where they told the people different types of thoughts to think maybe or something. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. If they just sat them down and said, go think meaningful thoughts, then that, that does seem staged for, for sure. Um, anyway, so the article goes on. I was so confused, she said. Then she took a look at the topics the participants reported thinking about. It was heavy stuff. It didn't seem to occur to them that they could use the time to enjoy their own thoughts. When we're nudged to think for fun instead of meaning, we tend to default to superficial pleasures like eating ice cream, which don't scratch the same itch as thoughts that are pleasant but also meaningful. But when Westgate provided participants with a list of examples that were both pleasant and meaningful, they enjoyed thinking 50% more than when they were instructed to think about whatever they wanted. That's knowledge you can harness in your everyday life by prompting yourself with topics you find rewarding to daydream about, like a pleasant memory, future accomplishment, or an event you're looking forward to, she says. Now, that's pretty interesting. It's fascinating that when told to think meaningful thoughts, people's understanding of what that was, like to think, was to think about like heavy parts of their lives, right? Um, which is, of course, that does have meaning, and those are potentially meaningful thoughts, but that doesn't necessarily, it's in a different sense, right? It's, it's not necessarily in a positive, enjoyable thing, especially if it's the heavy stuff, you know? And, you know, if you're sitting there thinking about your uh, family member that has cancer or something and trying to, just like thinking about uh, about them and their life and like all that stuff, that's like a meaningful experience, but it's also not necessarily going to be like uh depending on the situation it that's not necessarily going to be like a super positive experience if their uh cancer is super serious or whatever you know what i mean and so um it's kind of interesting that that's the kind of stuff that they people would go to is the heavy stuff right but it's also cool to think that the training that that training the creative daydreamy side of you through certain primers or like prompts can um can happen and well first of all be done at all right and then second that it can actually be like super beneficial for you and super beneficial for like the health of your mind and your brain and your creative side which is very interesting to think about being able to know what those primers are so you're like okay i have this thing i'm thinking about and uh like a topic that you're trying to um like a th- i don't know like for me example for for me for example Sometimes in my life, there's like certain themes for a while, a few weeks, month, whatever, a couple months, like certain types of uh, thoughts. Like one lately that's I've been thinking about is efficiency. And if you go to my blog, I posted a thing on efficiency. It's just like an idea, right? A full idea that I've kind of come back to a lot. And so if I'm primed to think something, pick up kind of where I left off in thinking about that entire thought, then uh, when it comes time to daydream or when I accidentally slip into daydreaming, I might just slide back into that because I'm, I'm primed to do that. And that actually might be beneficial. Now this is daydreaming. And so I don't know if it's always talking about like make believe just like whatever stuff, or if it's just like when your mind is kind of just on autopilot, you're chilling, you're looking at the clouds and whatever you're thinking about is considered a daydream. Right? So I, I don't know. Interesting stuff all around though. But the, uh, the article then goes on to say, uh, daydreaming can be an antidote to boredom, which Westgate, which Westgate's work has shown can induce people to bully, troll, and show sadistic behavior. In one, <laughs> sadistic behavior, goodness. In one experiment, participants opted to kill bugs with a coffee grinder to alleviate their ennui. 
The bugs weren't actually hurt, but the participants didn't know that. In another study, how does that even work? How did they not know? In another study, 67% of men and 25% of women preferred to give themselves an electric shock than to be alone with their thoughts. Sure, our devices provide an endless stream of distraction, but in certain situations, electronic entertainment is unavailable or unsafe. If you're at a stoplight, I'd much rather you reflect on a nice picnic you once had than reach for your phone, Westgate said. Well, yeah. That's that, that makes sense. Okay, so that got kind of wild a little quick there, but uh, you know what they say: idle hands are are the devil's workshop, right? <laughs> uh, but the article is really leaning into that there, I think. But that that's all right. I mean, it's not like it's not true, right? I mean, it's definitely got some truth to it. But they have a point, absolutely. And I do I like the use of the word onway. I actually didn't even know what that word was before I read this, and it's. Uh, it says, I'll read the sentence again. It says, in one experiment, participants opted to kill bugs with a coffee grinder to alleviate their onway. And it's spelled E-N-N-U-I, onway, which I had to Google. And it means a feeling of listlessness or and dissatisfaction arising from a lack of occupation or excitement. Okay, very interesting. That's a very specific feeling. And I think that's so cool. That has, I love when you have like, there's like emotions that have a very specific word for them. So that's, that's awesome. But, uh, yeah. So they were feeling on way. They were feeling a dissatisfaction from the lack of them doing something, the lack of them being excited about something. And to alleviate that on way, they were supposedly crushing bugs with a coffee grinder but didn't know that they were doing it according to the read i don't know i don't know how that all works maybe it was like virtual bugs somehow they made them look real i don't know it's like heaven forbid they crushed a bug we wouldn't want any bugs being harmed in the process of this research <laughs> but i think it's uh i think a huge factor of blame for this though and all of this stuff this loss of creative daydreaming is phones right when people are idle or not actively doing something what do they often do they pull out their phone right immediately i do it all the time even just to make it look like they are doing something sometimes if they really aren't like even if they're on the main part of their phone right it's it's kind of strange to be honest and i know i do it a lot but it's people do that all the time so i mean a big culprit for the less the lessening of daydreaming that we're seeing is is phones it's got to be right um anyway so it goes on aside from its boredom fighting abilities thinking for pleasure can be its own reward it's something that sets us apart it defines our humanity it allows us to imagine new realities westgate said but that kind of thinking requires practice. And here's how to master it, she says. Trust that it's possible to have a good experience if you prime your brain with topics you'll find pleasant. This is something all of us can do once you have the concept. We give four and five-year-olds these instructions, and it makes sense to them. Wow, that was... Okay, so if it doesn't make sense to you, then you're just an idiot. Okay? Like you're just an idiot. Just get that through. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. So... No, it's, that's it. Okay. I mean, that's, that is funny that they put that in there because it, it seems like something that's so simple, but it doesn't seem like something that is easy to remember all the time, you know, like priming yourself. Anyway, so that said, uh, she goes on to say, this is, this is hard for everybody. Okay. So she does acknowledge this. This is hard for everybody. There's no good evidence that some types of people are simply better thinkers. Oh, there are some types of evidence that pe some, that some, types of people are simply better thinkers. I'm the world's worst person at this. I would definitely rather have the electric shock, uh, Westgate said. 
That's referring to the thing earlier in the article. But knowing why it can be hard and what makes it easier really makes a difference. The encouraging part is we can all get better. Don't confuse planning things with thinking for pleasure. People say they enjoy planning, but when they test it, when we test it, they do not. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, I love planning. No. No, you don't. Don't tell me. No. <laughs> no, that's too funny, though. Um, that's interesting. I feel like if they asked me that question, I would tell them, yeah, I enjoy planning things. But then when they do that, I, I feel like I might fall into this category, <laughs> to be honest. Um, that's pretty funny. But anyway, choose the right time to try. Uh, researchers show we're most likely to daydream when our minds are minimally occupied with something else. Like, show, like showering or brushing our teeth. The next time we're walking, instead of pulling out your phone, try it. Westgate says, this, now this I can level with. Um, I always try to go on like a walk or a jog every day. And um, if I go on a jog, typically I do listen to like music or uh, audiobooks or whatever. But the uh, when I go on a walk, instead of run... I never listen to music when I go on my walk. I just, no phone, no nothing. I just have my dog and then I just walk. And it's kind of, I have to say, I would definitely recommend it to, to like, not just like to do once, but like some, have some form of routine of because, um, it just allows this really nice time of nothing but your thoughts, nothing but, nothing but the outside air and your thoughts and whatever, you know, minimal minimal brain activity being devoted to other things like i guess i am walking and i'm making sure my dog's all right sure but like other than that you know it's just your thoughts and so um really like really like that that paragraph i definitely level with that definitely something that i would recommend like i said as you build your ability to daydream you'll you'll have the article goes on sorry as you build your ability to daydream you'll have a source of enjoyable thoughts at your disposal during stressful times that is fascinating. That's like getting that tool belt all nice and kitted, right? Like, <laughs> that's kind of cool to think about. What we feel is a function of what we f- what we think. Thinking for pleasure can be a powerful tool to shape our emotions. I love that last line. That last line is so good, right? The last line is huge and really salvages, I think, the end of the article. In my opinion, the article is starting to wax a little airy towards the end. I mean, it was not bad, but it was eh, a little bit. Um though not really like through not really giving any good future goals or things to try specifically but uh but really the end is the the vital and the the most important part because it says you know pinnacally at the very end what we feel is a function of what we think and that's such a simple saying and that's such a simple phrase of words but it's actually so obvious and like so true I don't know. It's almost like you've heard it before. You like it's like you knew it, and then you hear it, and then it's like, oh, I knew that, but I didn't know I knew that, you know. And so, knowing that is powerful because if you know how to affect how you feel, then you can directly affect how you think, right? Because if one is a function of the other, then you can directly affect the other by affecting one. And so, um, anyway, very interesting article. And I mean, humanity is fickle. There are all these little bits that you have to keep track of, uh, you know, you got the logical side of, of a person and you've got ambition and self-esteem and morality and emotion and creativity and, and, 
here we have an even more specified and niched part of creativity that has to be nurtured and trained in a certain sense. And, and I guess that's the fun of it though, right? Like the, the balance of all mankind, <laughs> the balance of, of trying to figure all these parts out. But then there's this, then it's like you're constantly learning about new parts and, and how to fix old parts. And it's, it's, it's interesting. But it, I mean, it's sort of a little sad to think that some would rather, I will say it's a little sad to be think that that some would rather have been like shocked than than participate in their own like thoughts alone by themselves. But I think there is real value in being able to use your brain as sort of like a a testing chamber for ideas and daydreams and planning and like visualization of what you want in life. Um, I mean, one could argue that that is like one of the main functions of the brain to begin with, right? is to, to like theoretically employ certain parameters into certain situations in your brain and to see how they would, again, theoretically play out. And then, you know, we do this all the time. We do this through gathering information from like our learned experiences that we've had, as well as like what we know about people and objects and how they behave in the world. Like, like for example, if we know that, that gravity exists, so when I drop an apple, its behavior should reflect that it's going to fall because gravity exists. Then when I daydream or I'm like testing scenarios in my head, I can employ that gravity status to objects as it is appropriate, right? And similarly, if I know how someone generally behaves in the world, like their personality and all that stuff, then when I daydream scenarios about things, I can somewhat accurately, somewhat accurately, right, fill in the blanks where I need to. And kind of, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier in the, in the episode. And so, but that skill of filling in the blanks doesn't become better if you don't let it, I guess. It's kind of, I think that's one of the main points of the article is trying to make is that, that skill of filling in the blanks, that skill of daydreaming in general doesn't actually get any better if you don't allow it to get better. Right. So anyway, very interesting article, very interesting, um, bit of information to, learn about and to think about it kind of sheds things in a different light than I've really thought about them before. So, um, I think that's where I'm going to wrap up this episode. If you have enjoyed listening, be sure to follow podcast or be, be sure to follow bed letter on whatever platform that you prefer to listen to it on. Uh, remember that you can check out, like I said, you can check out my blog and other projects that I'm working on over at cashleman.com. That's C A S H L I M A N.com. And if you are super inclined to, I have a Patreon where I have details about different services that I offer. Um, as I said earlier, in editing and tutoring and mentoring and stuff, mostly that's in regards to English and writing, but uh, there's other things as well. And as I said, all of this info can be found on my website, cashleman.com. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. I really appreciate it and hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, be sure to... Uh, be sure to go on to social media or anywhere else and uh, let me know and give me always, always appreciate feedback. So uh, I hope you guys all have an awesome week and I will see you next time on bed letter. 